Are we partying? Let's party! Woo! This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hey, everybody. We're celebrating our anniversary today, our 20th podcast. We're going to get to the party soon. Don't you worry about that. But first, uh, there's an elephant in the room, and this pachyderm uh, cannot and must not be ignored. Uh, It's what everyone around has been talking about the past week. It's the weight pressing down on America. How can you even describe the emotion gripping us as a nation? Is it anger we're feeling? Is it frustration? Is it the apprehension of not knowing what lies ahead and when it all might end? Yes, like you, I had all of those thoughts and more rolling in my mind when I heard the news that the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts was being sucker punched by ESPN Radio, losing a third of its air in seeing the national show reduced from three hours to two beginning mid-August. On the bright side, I guess, fewer chances for me to miss hard network outs on Tuesdays? I don't know. Christopher, you work on the show. Are you too nervous to even talk about this? What's happening? I'm not nervous to talk about it. It's, you know, the content is still going to be there. It's just going to be not live on radio. I believe we're going to be still doing the same amount of content every day. The way it was before was one hour podcast, three hour live radio. Now it's going to be two hour podcast, two hour live radio. So we're still going to be giving out roughly like four hours a day. So it's, it's a change. But you know, if one thing I've learned about radio is that radio is always trying to have like change it up. What can we do? Like, you know, the kind of run that the Levitard show has had is unprecedented in radio. So I'm not gonna, you know, take it as like a monumental downgrade. Right. There was a slight shift in our schedule. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, I sort of uh, am lampooning the reaction to it because uh, some fans of the show are like, oh, my God, you know, terrible. But um, like you, I don't think it's that big a deal because the content's still going to be there. And everything is moving, you know, toward podcasts anyway, uh, toward digital. Certainly the newspaper industry is doing that. That's why I'm doing a podcast now in addition to writing. And so uh, this is just more of uh, of the overall are evolution, you, you, I guess. Are you are still writing? <laughs> yes, believe it or not. The, the written word lives. It does. It's like... Uh, it's an old musty book that you open and dust comes out. But uh, All right, Greg Cody, what do we have? Episode 20. Woo, woo, woo. Sparkle. Hey. Woo. Woo. Are we partying? Let's party. Celebrate episode numbers. Woo. 22-0. Wow, we got a brass band in here. <laughs> uh, oh, I hear animal sounds. People are banging drums. What? Is that a cow mooing? We're having another party. Are we going to celebrate next week too? Twenty ones. No, we only ce- <laughs> no, we only celebrate every ten years. Every guarantee, ten years. <laughs> I guarantee next week, Greg Cody's going to reference. Oh, Art, we can finally drink. This podcast can have. Yeah. A drink. No. Hey, number <laughs> play. Your number no, play. Woo! No. We uh, what we do is every ten episodes, episodes ending in zero, we. We Chris, have a party. Chris, and has, Chris is forced to uh, produce some annoying thing that we do here on the Drag Cody. <laughs> exactly. The market that we've cornered. Honestly. We have. And and let me tell you a quick story about how disastrous our first party was. When we <laughs> when we celebrated our 10th episode, uh, you know, we do most of this on Sunday, and it comes out very early Monday morning. 
So our 10th episode comes out that Monday morning. And as the episode is coming out and the first sound everybody hears is celebration and partying, the news breaks that the great Don Shula has just passed away. And the timing could not have been worse. I mean, literally, the headlines are appearing. Dolphins legend Shula dies. And we're laughing it up and yucking it up and having all kinds of sounds. And, uh, and, and that was a little bit embarrassing. But so, hey, all right, let's, uh, let's dig in here. We, we have a, an interesting show today because um, uh, our main guest is someone you've absolutely never even heard of. But uh, that doesn't mean he's not interesting. Selling it. Yeah, but I'm going to sell it right now. You actually know this guy. I just met him when, when we were doing the conversation. His name is Tim Cronin, and uh, he works for ESPN. He's a, a valuable behind-the-scenes kind of guy. What would you call him, an IT guy, a tech guy? He is an executive support analyst. He's the, the guy who works behind the scenes. You know, when Tim Kirchin can't figure out how to turn on his laptop, he calls Tim Cronin, and, uh, and Cronin talks him through it. So he's one of the guys who's invaluable to the on-air talent. And uh, we share some stories with him about doing the job he does at ESPN. But that's not the main reason I was interested in having a conversation with him. Tim Cronin had COVID-19 and survived it. And I was interested in talking to him about what that feels like and, and the experience of having COVID-19, uh, the, the pandemic uh, virus that has killed over 135,000 Americans, I think. He, he had a version of it that was uh, not deadly, but, but pretty serious. And so we, we talked to him about that. And we have uh, a Mount Gregmore. Mount Gregmore of Seas. And Mount Gregmore has become very controversial, by the way, because Christopher hates it. But that's okay. Can we, uh, since your voice was just on a perfect display right there, those last 10 seconds. So I think it's a good segue into, before we get to all the bits in Mount Gregmore and Tim Cronin, we need to get to this. We're celebrating, right? This is a big celebratory episode. So yeah, it's a party. It's a pod E. Okay. And so Greg Cody's voice is, I'm just going to say it. It's and it's been this way Thank most you. of this podcast. He clears his throat constantly, and most of it you don't even hear because I edit it out. I spare you from it. But over the first 20 episodes, he has – that's what I'm going to remember most about the first 20 episodes of The Greg Cody Show. It's just how often during recording Greg clears his throat. So to celebrate that in this 20th episode, we're going to play a montage right now of Greg Cody clearing his throat. <clears> throat> How can you even describe the emotion? Is it anger? Um, I meant to get to my I meant to get to my mute button and I couldn't. Don't put that in. One point where I want you to jump in and then after that No, good idea. But that that should sort of be at the end, right? Oh yeah. I meant to get them. I meant to get them. I meant to get to my mute button and I couldn't. I meant to get them. I meant to get them. I meant to get to my mute button and I couldn't. <coughs> so that was like a greatest hits montage, the greatest throat clears. <sighs> like that. I mean, just fix your throat, man. I know. It's uh, what can I tell you? I've uh, I've got this voice. Uh, and I can't get rid of it. You know, what, is, it, it what, is. Is, what does one of your friends say that you sound like, that you're turning this into a positive? He said that uh, he said my voice has evolved into sounding like uh, Bob Dylan's voice hmm. in terms of uh, raspiness and 
and it's gotten like an octave lower. Uh, I used to be able to hit the high notes. I used to be able to, uh, you know, sing like Barry Gibb and uh, and do the falsetto when I wanted to, but I really can't now. Let me hear you try. Hey, there's a party going on right here. See, I can't I can't climb that ladder anymore. It's sad. Hey, before we get started, uh, two things happened uh, this past week that um, I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, and they they were both amazing. Uh, advances in their own right. Number one, um, <clears throat> Donald Trump wore a mask, which uh, is just incredible. And um, you know, a little bit late, Don, but uh, good for you. And the other thing is, um, uh, we see the toppling now, like a Confederate statue, we see the toppling of the Washington Redskins nickname. Uh, it began to seem inevitable now with the pressure mounting for them to change that name. And it's about time. And, you know, Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, he's being painted into a corner and he's kicking and screaming. He does not want to change this nickname, but it's happening now. Why? Because the money is talking. Uh, I wrote a column on this. When, when your main sponsor FedEx is out loud calling for a name change and when retailers like Amazon and Walmart and Target uh, stop selling your merchandise online, you have no choice uh, when the money starts talking. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they announce this change and um and what the new nickname becomes not to throw stones because i feel like a lot of people ourselves included are having a lot of conversations the last few months that they weren't necessarily having before that like there's a lot of why are you just doing this now like are you just talking about this and doing this because it's the trendy thing is a fair criticism of a lot of platforms and a lot of shows and a lot of companies you know you see a lot of commercials now that are very inclusive trying to and you right. know it, it makes some people a little skeptical of your intentions and whether you're doing it because everyone's doing it or you actually mean it. And I have that thought with FedEx here. It's like if that's all it took the whole time, if if FedEx, the sponsor of their stadium, would have had this talk two, three years, because this has been it's like Bonds and Clemens and steroids. The Redskins name change has been. A, a, a topic that comes up every once in a while for, I feel like years now. So I'm just like, yes. if there's any part of people that are like, Oh, FedEx now it's pretty easy for you to pressure Snyder with everything going on now. Like, I just wonder if there's any cynicism well, with that. I, I, I agree with you, but I file it under better late than never. I mean, th that it's happening now is better than it not happening at all. You know, I, I wrote a column on this in 2015 I was reminded in, in researching this. And, and so, yeah, I've written about it. Everybody's been talking about it. There was a time uh, several years ago when the Philadelphia Eagles, the week of the Washington game, uh, refused to even use the nickname Redskins. Uh, the name never appeared in any of their build-up to that game. So, yeah, it's been on the back burner for a while, but now it's finally on that front burner, and, and it's finally going to change. Now, I just want to jump in real fast. I don't understand this back burner, front burner analogy because the back burner, <laughs> at least on my stove, is is just as capable and works just as well as the front burner. I don't understand why the back burner gets this bad rap. That's a, a question I had never considered before and I'm happy to consider now because I think you're exactly right. Um, the back burner is, uh, is really denigrated you know, in society. Um, I prefer the back burner. Do you? Yeah. You know, it's safer, really, because the front burner, you know, if you tip the front burner, man, it's all over you. And I burned myself with hot oil a couple of weeks ago, and, and that was a front burner-related 
exactly. accident. So it, it, yeah. my, my two-year-old, she's walking by the counter. She's reaching up. Much more likely to burn herself on the front burner than the back burner. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's flip that whole thing. So I'm going to say, uh, yeah, this red skin thing, it's been on the, the front burner for a long time. Let's put it on now, the back burner. Finally, we have it on the back burner where yep. it deserves to be. Mm-hmm. So that's the burner, really. That's the burner you want. Um, Burning it. Burning it, and uh, and and right now, like uh, like Greg Luganus, uh, we're gonna dive into this episode. No one knows who Greg Luganus is. It doesn't matter. He's one of the great Gregs of all time. Will he be in the Mount Gregmore top five? Stay tuned. All right, let's welcome in our special guest today. His name is Tim Cronin. He's an IT guy for ESPN. Works behind the scenes with all the on-air talent. And he has a podcast because who at ESPN doesn't? Am I right? <laughs> he does. He's uh, one of a parade of ESPN related podcasts. His is called Stats Don't Matter. So check that out. And, um, and we also talked to him about what it was like to, to have COVID-19 and, and to survive it and live to tell about it. And um, it's, a, it's a really good conversation. So Tim, welcome to the podcast. We're uh, speaking with Tim Cronin, the executive support analyst for ESPN. If you don't know the name, he's uh, one of the 90% of people at ESPN who work behind the scenes, but very valuable. Uh, And and we'll talk about COVID-19 for sure later, but I want to start with uh, more of the fun stuff. Tim, welcome to the podcast. And I wonder, just explain, what's your title at ESPN? What do you do? First, thanks for having me. Uh, this is great. I'm a big fan of both of you guys and, and all the things that you guys are involved with. Um, my role at ESPN now, uh, I'm an executive support analyst, so my day-to-day requires taking care of uh, a lot of the top leadership folks for the technology side, some of the corporate leadership guys, and I've sort of unofficially become the talent supporter as well. So. Almost anybody on television and radio generally comes to me whenever they have issues as well. So it's been sort of a, a fun little ever-growing role that we've sort of molded as we, as we went along. But so, it's, been a, so it's been a fun three years so far. Who is somebody that we've seen on TV at ESPN who you deal with a lot because they seem to always be having issues of some kind on a laptop or other tech technical issues? Tim Kirchin. <laughs> yes. Tim Kirchin. For, uh, I, I jokingly refer to him, you know, everyone says I have my, my work wife, my work husband. Uh, I refer to him as my, my work grandfather because oh, awesome. he calls me with some of the best things. And I, a lot of it, none of it's his fault, actually. He is one of those that has all these sort of weird things that happen. Second to him is maybe Adam Schefter, but that's because that man is always connected. There's always something going on. So the moment something isn't working right, that potentially uh, impacts our ability to deliver news. So he, he's one that uh, I work with pretty regularly. But um, I yeah. love Kirchin because he's got one of those voices that's so distinctive. Every time I'm listening to Tim Kirchin, I feel like I'm listening to a Tim Kirchin impersonator. I, I, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> well, guys, I, I, I really appreciate you having me on. I just need to let you know, whatever you want. <laughs> the Royals are really good. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect. He, he does do a good curse, I'll give him that. Um, Tim, has there ever been a, I don't know whether this is the kind of thing you would deal with or not, but has there ever been an emergency uh, where you get a frantic call because it's, it's minutes before airtime and something very wrong has just happened? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get those uh, often. Um, Kevin Nagandi at one point was on television and his account continued to lock out. So every time he would do to do, he would turn to do a shot and he would go back to get into a program we call ENPS that gives you show rundowns and information that you're delivering on air. Uh, every time he would turn back to his computer, he couldn't get back into it. So he kept losing the rundown uh, and I'm home. I'm giving my kid a bath. I, he's calling me. I got our support on campus on the phone, having them check a couple things. So I constantly having, it was just a, a comedy where I had my computer on my knee bounced <laughs> over the tub while giving my kid a bath and a phone <laughs> on my ear, just constantly. We, we ultimately ended up getting it fixed, but I think while it wasn't minutes to air, it was pretty close. Tim, Who's the, uh, who would you say is the nicest on-air personality you've dealt with? Tim Kirchin, nicest, <laughs> gotta be. Tim Kirchin's definitely up there as far as the nicest goes. Uh, Carl Ravitch, uh, him and his wife uh, were super supportive, actually, when they found out I had COVID. Um, I ended up basically working the entire time I had it, and they live close to where I live and surprised us at our doorstep with a gift certificate to a restaurant close by and nice. would constantly check in periodically. So Carl's up there for me. Tim Kirchner's probably by far the nicest person we have uh, we have on campus, though. I want to mention real quickly, you, you have a, a podcast that we've alluded to. It's called Stats Don't Matter. How did you fall into that? Yeah, so we figured, I mean, everyone has a podcast, so, so why not me? No, um, <laughs> quite a while ago, back when I was in college, which is, you know, I'm 37 now, so it was a couple of moons ago, a buddy of mine and I, we would start talking about sports all the time. Every time the Super Bowl would end, we'd be texting each other back and forth. Anytime there's a big sporting event, we always joked about doing something with it. And then, uh, you know, COVID happened and everybody was at home with all this extra free time. We figured, why the hell not? Let's see. Let's see what can happen. We're about six or seven episodes in. We have our first big guest coming. Adam Schefter actually had. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Whoa. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Schefter's a big get. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that's it's, good. Uh... I'm looking at, I see jealousy in my dad's face right now. Are you, because like, I was like. It's true. This is a forced smile when, in fact, I'm, I'm raging internally right now. Why did he get Schefter and I didn't? You know, Christopher's got an in with ESPN. What am I, chopped liver? I can't get Adam Schefter? What the hell's going on? There's a little Stugatz in everybody. I guarantee you yeah. when we stop recording, my dad's going to ask you for Schefter's number. It's coming. I just, want, I just want you to know that that's coming at the end. I'll let you get the number for me. I don't uh, I don't. Yeah. All right. I, I want to dive into this, Tim, because um, – First of all, I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your story because it's personal um, and, and intensely personal. In fact, uh, I'd like you to tell us everything you can in some sort of chronology, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Um, as ESPN was preparing for, you know, what we all knew was going to ultimately be a shutdown. Um, I had sort of stepped back from the executive role a little bit to help out more with some of the on-site stuff. So we, we always knew it was a risk, but. I mean, we, once the shutdown happened, we, we sort of self-quarantined, you know, as suggested by pretty much everybody. But about five days after my last day on campus, I woke up and I was like, my throat feels a little scratchy. I thought maybe it was just with the fan on, maybe some allergies. But as the morning sort of dragged on a little bit, my body started to feel a little bit more run down. It felt a little bit like a flu almost. And then the next morning, I woke up, I had... Okay, a more severe sore throat, had a little cough that went with it. I noticed my breathing was a little off, took my temperature, and 
It was like 97.5. And I, I remember thinking that was off. So we had one of those earlobe temperatures. So I went and our thermometers. So I went and looked up how to clean it just to, and how to recalibrate it. Recalibrate it, put it back in my ear, 101.5. I'm like, oh, all right. So that makes that makes sense. So over the course of the, the next few days, everything else started to come in with it. Uh, the cough started getting a little more severe. The, the throat was a little bit more severe. On that first day, as soon as I recognized I had COVID-like symptoms, we called uh, my doctor. A little discouraging back then because they weren't doing a lot of testing. And the first thing I was told was, don't come into the office. Don't come in for a checkup. Let's schedule a teledoc conference. So we get on... I joined a call. Hey, it sounds very much like you have COVID-like symptoms. I'd like to do another one of these with a CDC consultant so we can go over everything that you have. So we followed that up with another conference, took my temperature with them, went over all the symptoms again. And they said, yeah, uh, we're going to treat you as a presumed positive. So at that stage, you weren't tested unless you needed hospital admittance or unless you were high risk because this was uh, the beginning of March and they still hadn't really hatched out the process yet. So then as it kind of progressed, we got into sort of the fifth or sixth day. The fever was persistent, just tired all the time. I started developing some of the other symptoms. I lost my sense of smell for a few days. Uh, I noticed my toes started to hurt, which was weird. Um, This was before they discussed anything related to COVID toe or anything like that. And all I thought was I had stubbed my toe. I have a four-year-old who's pretty active and would always run around the house. Um, But I had quarantined myself almost immediately. And I thought it was maybe just me sitting around and not doing something. My toes were, you know, naively, I'm like, are are my toes atrophying here? I don't understand what's going on. But I noticed little bruises on them. So I was like, okay, I must have just hit them. And because I'm not doing anything, I'm now noticing that where I didn't notice it before. Uh, But over the next few days, the fever ended up lasting for about eight days. Uh, it ended up going away for a few days and then coming back. It was like a sort of a resurgence that can sometimes happen. Um, tired pretty much the entire time. Um, I had nothing else to do. So I did work the entire time because I was in my office. So that kind of helped me pass the time a little bit. Um, there was a couple times where just moving around my room or even like working if I was, you know, mildly stressed out from work, I started to get that feeling like you were going to pass out. And it was, you know, that wobbly feeling, that sort of like, you know, dehydrated feeling almost um, only for a couple of days. But it was enough that we actually considered going to the hospital. And at one point, I ended up laying down and falling asleep for a couple hours, which probably wasn't the best move. But I was like, I need to sit down. I think I'm going to fall over. After that, it, it, it starts to clear up pretty quickly. But the lungs stay there for quite a while. Uh, last year at this time, the town I live in, we have a, a stretch of this bikeway that goes for 30 miles. So I was pedaling 20 miles a day in 90 degree heat. No problem. I did 10 miles last week and was gassed. I ended up walking my bike up the hill back to my house. So like I can still tell that there are some things that have not fully recovered. Uh, I had a cough for two and a half months, even though it was like a subtle cough. It was, a, it was a, enough of a cough. And for a good week, after all my other symptoms went away, walking around my yard with my kid, I would get winded. I would have to like stop, take a breath for a second. The, the other thing was they, by the time the, the 14th day rolled around, I'm like, okay, I can get out of here. I haven't had a fever for a few days. But I still feel it in my chest a little bit. My doctor was like, why don't you self-quarantine for seven more days? And we're like, all right, well, like, how long do we just keep 
maybe doing this, like when am I contagious, when am I not? So we ended up referring me to, they called it the COVID command center here in Hartford. Um, the one thing that both the director and the CDC consultant were adamant on was, you have COVID, regardless of what this test says, you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself because we don't know if you're still contagious, if you can get it again, any of those sort of things. So it's been sort of this ongoing struggle since to get back into shape like I was before, get the stamina back up. And actually this week I'm going for my antibody test and my wife at the start of this was just on the phone with her doctor to get herself set up for an antibody test. How have you guys dealt with this as a family? Has your wife freaked out? And, and I wouldn't blame her if she had at some point uh, and, and your kid, you mentioned a four-year-old. Uh, yeah. They're too young to know what's going on, obviously, right? Uh, surprisingly, no. Um, as far as the four-year-old go, he, he knows well enough. We, we called it the big germ because we thought, you know, COVID-19 might be a little bit too aggressive to explain <laughs> to him. But he, he knows, you know, the big germ and knows that he can't see his friends. Their school has been pretty much all but canceled for him. So he hasn't been in daycare uh, since March. Um, and there's really at this point no plan on going back. They have to do like structured reopenings. But when it first happened, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty scary for kind of all of us because you didn't know what to expect, uh, how quickly it kind of came on. You hear a lot of people who test positive, but they're asymptomatic, and I definitely wasn't. Now that's not to say I was I wasn't a severe case. I would put myself on the severe side of moderate, if that makes sense. Like you have the you have the scale where obviously you're people in ventilators and in in hospital beds and things like that and at no point did I think I was there but of the people who seemed to get mild symptoms I was definitely on the more severe side of it where there was there was one or two days where we seriously considered it but I didn't want to run the risk of being stuck in a hospital for a week for two reasons one to be away from the family but two to take up a hospital bed that I didn't think I really needed at that point and I knew there were people who probably did um it was tough for my son thankfully there's a glass door between me and the rest of the house so we got we had window markers and we could play games on the outside of the windows um the fact that I continued working through the whole thing kind of kept some normalcy for him. So he knew that during the day I was occupied with work, but would get involved, but would have questions when my wife would open the door, put a plate of food down and close the door really quick and constantly cleaning our hands. But I think it helped because now he's aware of it and knows now like when a FedEx box comes, he'll touch and be like, Oh wait, do I have to go wash my hands real quick? And he'll run in and wash his hands. Yeah, when you go out, he knows that he has to bring his mask and, and, and all those sort of things. So it was it was definitely a little scary. Um, my wife was a little bit more cautious about me coming out and being close to my son than I was. I was ready to, you know, pick him up. And, yeah, I missed him. I hadn't seen him for almost three weeks. Um, but there was definitely some, some apprehension there until we figured out, <clears throat> until we got the, the actual negative test back. But, yeah, yeah, it was a little, it was a little nerve-wracking for everybody. I, I appreciate you sharing this story, especially because – you're like the opposite of the stereotypical uh, victim of this. You know, everybody thinks of the 65-year-old with asthma or the pre-existing mm-hmm. conditions. And here you are, a, a healthy guy in his 30s. In fact, I think you're a former athlete. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just really proof uh, that, um, man, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you, you can't take this for granted, right? Yeah, and I think uh, I think statistically down in Florida, the average infection right now is down – into like the the mid 20s to early 30s um actually it's funny that 
now we decided to chat about this because uh, I had a conversation with Stefani Bell yesterday, who has been doing a lot of research on COVID with the different leagues as leagues are starting to open back up. Um, Stefani Bell, she's a writer for ESPN, and she's one of the sort of medical experts we have on a lot of our shows. Uh, and I didn't realize that some of the leagues are actually requiring cardiology tests because of the damage it does to your lungs. I don't know enough about it to speak on it intelligently, but I know, and I didn't even realize that that was a risk or a cause. So last night I ended up, you know, getting lost down the Google black hole, trying to look into some of this and some of the, some of the repercussions that it happened, that it takes on your heart, your blood flow, all of that stuff. I didn't even realize. So now I'm, freaking out a little bit like oh do i need to go get a full workup done to see whether or not my heart was damaged or whether my lungs have permanent damage i'm very glad tim that uh that you got through it okay although it sounds like you may still even be feeling some after effects of it uh, but but basically yeah. you're you got through it uh, and and you're healthy right yeah and i would say a lot of it has to do with you know not being able to get out and exercise as much throughout the whole ordeal and you know, getting back into the swing of things now. I think I'm on the other side of it. I think at this point, it's just sort of retraining my lungs and seeing what their capacity is. But we're there. Family's healthy. I'm healthy. So we're, we're, we're thankful. Well, Tim, um, we'll let you go. And, and um, I, I will tell you next time you uh, happen to talk to Adam Schefter, be sure to tell him uh, what a fun time you had on our podcast. Absolutely. I'll put in the good word. We'll make it happen. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate that. And, uh, and check out Stats Don't Matter, his new podcast. We appreciate having him in. And now we're going to go to what has become a controversial segment here on The Greg Cody Show because I love it and Christopher seems to, to just hate it. Yeah, it's annoying. It's, it's continually infuriating. And I think that people will understand why once we play this week's again. The Mount Gregmore name game. Seize. Seize the moment. See if this bit is terrible again this week. <laughs> Very good. All right. Let's do this. It's time for the third installment of our podcast, Mount Gregmore name game. The C's. Huh? Now I'm going to give you one more shot at this. I know last week okay. I was bitching and I was complaining, but you know what? I'm going to just assume B was a bad batch. Right. I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to give you one more chance to have full creative control. We're going to do your Mount Greg Moore this week. And next week, I will take control if this week is bad. But I feel like it's going to be good. I feel like you're going to bounce back with the C's. What we're doing is, in alphabetical order, we're counting down the most popular first names in the United States over the past 100 years based on official government records. And we're naming the Mount Greg Moore of that letter's number one name. We're better than Mount Rushmore, by the way. They gave you four. Greg Moore gives you five, plus an honorable mention. And now, the top five C names. Number five, Christine. Number four, Cynthia. Number three, Carol. Number two, I have one on my podcast, Christopher. Christopher denied the summit, knocked off by the number one American C, Charles. And now, here are our top five all-time Charleses 
in inverse order. But first, in the honorable mention spot, Charles Chips. That's right. The iconic potato chip of my youth, my ute. Was the guy who invented chips named Charlie Chip? Or is this a company? I don't know Charlie Chips. What, well, what Charles that? Chips is the, is the name of the company. And uh, I doubt very much if the founder's name was Charles Chip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet I'm just it was. just saying, the guy that created chips, that'd be a good name for him. It would be a good name. Uh, yeah, I'm a strict constructionist with these lists, by the way. So in this case, Charles means Charles. No Charlies here. Sorry, Chaplin and Brown. No Chucks. Sorry, Barry. And no last name, Charles. Sorry, Ray. You're doing this wrong. You're doing what do you mean? this wrong. We should be able to include, like, make these wacky. You should include Chucks. You shouldn't choose Charles' last name. Nope. Sorry. God, you are, it's like you're trying to strangle this segment and do this um, every... I'm, educate, I'm being educational. In every way possible, you're taking the least interesting angle, it seems like. Number five, he helped defeat Hitler, became president of France. It's Charles de Gaulle. Shocking that I've never heard of the first Charles on this list. Well, you know, educate yourself. Learn. Don't, Number edu- four. don't educate me. Entertain me. I'm trying to do both, my friend. Number four, as an aviator, he made the first solo nonstop transatlantic flight. Had a kidnapped baby. Give it up for Charles Lindbergh. I hate this so much. Number three, <laughs> was he the greatest novelist of the Victorian era? His works shouting yes include Oliver Twist, A Christmas Carol, and A Tale of Two Cities. I'm talking about Charles Dickens. I've heard of that one. Oh, good. <laughs> mighty mighty uh, erudite of you. Number two. He's the round mound of rebound turned NBA commentator. Has the same number of championship rings as Greg Cody. It's Charles Barkley. Yeah, that one's good. That, that, okay. That's rightfully, rightfully so. And now, the number one Charles ever born. All he did was discover a little thing called evolution. That's right. He unlocked the human mind to the very concept of the origin of the species. How about a big thank you to our own King Charles, Charles Darwin. I mean, I cannot believe you had the best Charles list and you don't have Chuck Norris on it. I mean, that is just infuriating. Chuck Norris. He's not a Charles. Yes, he is. I don't even know if he is, but he should have been because that works. Chuck is a nickname for Charles and Charlie. You should have done that. It would have been funny. It would have no. been interesting. It, it, it would have uh, disrespected the intent of the uh, Mount Gregmore name game. I, I am infuriated right now. You did not make any of the adjustments that I suggested. You just correct exact same thing as you did last week where you just yeah. say names nobody's ever heard of. I'm done with this Mount Gregmore. I am picking the name next week. This is infuriating. No, we'll, uh, we'll have a talk at the next Greg Cody Show podcast staff meeting. Uh, but uh, no need to do it on the air because I am the arbiter. You know, you take your case to me. I'm the judge and uh, jury. Stop educating. Like, I've already forgotten the names you said at the start. Like, you didn't educate me. You just made me annoyed. Charles de Gaulle, baby. (laughs) Charles Lindbergh. Come on. Hey, next week, look forward to the Mount Gregmore of D's. Oh, D's. 
How about that? All right. I hate this. <laughs> All right. That was the Mount Gregmore game of the seas. And uh, unexpectedly, poor Mount Gregmore has become a contentious battle here in the podcast. So we have to see how it plays out. See how it plays out. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with. I'm done. I'm done with it. Over it. I'm. I'm taking the reins on this bit. We will do an interesting name next week. I assure you, listeners. Anyway, let's wrap this thing up. Put a bow on it. Um, thanks again to uh, ESPN behind the scenes wizard Tim Cronin for um, sharing with us uh, how he got through COVID nineteen. We had a party, didn't we? Episode twenty: bells, whistles, and bows. And um, you sound very you sound you sound very enthused about it. <laughs> hey, we had a party here today. It was our episode twenty, and you know it. And I honestly, listen, I honestly prefer less enthused Greg Cody because the over the top one just comes off very insincere. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, I'm exuding sincerity right now. Hey, everybody, um, please subscribe, rate, review, and listen, and do all that good stuff because uh, thanks to you, we've gotten this. Uh, podcasts off the ground and flying and um, really appreciate you guys pod family for coming back every week and, and joining us and enjoying us and being a part of what we do. It means a lot. And we will see you all back here next week. Oh no. What? I wasn't recording any of that. Any of what? What we just did. Oh no. Don't tell me this. I'm seeing the word that says recording. Yeah, I know. We are recording. I was just kidding. Oh, my God. What an asshole. Why'd you do that to me? <laughs> See you later, everyone. Oh, God. Yeah, that was funny now that I know you were kidding. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.